Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Is it normal that my nipples hurt so much? Is it normal to have freezing cold feet? Is it normal that my tongue looks like it's been through a shredder? Is it normal to feel really horny? Is it normal to need so many naps? Hello and welcome to Is It Normal? The Pregnancy Podcast. I'm Jessie Ware and this podcast follows my pregnancy journey and with the help of some amazing experts is here to reassure and inform you about all aspects of pregnancy and giving birth. I wish I'd had this when I first got pregnant with my firstborn. I'm now number three and I'm still yet to understand everything that goes on when you're pregnant and when you give birth. It's so different for so many people out there and that's what you'll find on this podcast. There are so many symptoms, some that are quite unusual, some that are really common, but everything we cover is absolutely normal and hopefully a space for you to be able to voice that and feel reassured that you're in the same boat as somebody else out there. For this episode, I have consultant obstetrician and gynecologist Jess McMicking back with me to talk about what is happening with your body in the 14 to 16 week mark of your pregnancy. Hello, Jess. Thank you for being here. Hi, Jessie. Thank you for having me. Very excited about this episode. <laughs> well, yeah, this is, uh, I finally had my late <laughs> scan. So for people that haven't listened to the previous episode, I had a late scan because I was isolating due to being with somebody with COVID. So I missed the window in the NHS to have my um, new call screening. And therefore, I went and paid for the Harmony test, which I've never done before. And it's this blood test that we've discussed in episode week 12 to 14. And it's a kind of, it's a an alternative to the new call screening and the blood test that you were offered in your your hospital so I had the harmony test which was a blood test which was very very quick and I also had an extra ultrasound which I didn't realize I was going to have so I got to see my baby two days in a row which was very cool and this time um, I learned a little bit more about what was going on in my uterus womb which one is it I should know this both Oh, it's both. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Uterus equals womb. Oh, okay, great. Thank you. Um, and I found out that I have an anterior placenta. Now, I haven't had that on either baby before previous. The sonographer didn't seem to be too worried about this. 
But of course, I Googled and freaked out because it Google says it leads to more back to back births and one other thing that's a bit of a shame, um, which I think would be more worrying for new mothers, perhaps, is that you're you're not going to feel your baby kick as soon as maybe somebody who has a posterior placenta. Jess, can you explain what an anterior placenta is and a posterior placenta is and a previa placenta? Sure. Uh, so placentas, as we know, so by 14 weeks, what they are doing now is they're taking over feeding your baby. So, you know, they're so, so, so important for the pregnancy. They can either form on the back wall, which is the posterior wall, or the front wall, which is anterior. And you can get a little bit more technical. They can be lateral, fundal, you know, blah, blah, blah. But basically what happens in a pregnancy is the placenta will actually grow in size as well. And interestingly, when you have an anterior placenta early in pregnancy, as your tummy um, expands or your uterus or womb grows, what will happen is the placenta will naturally migrate up, okay? So actually where it's sitting now, it's probably taking up a large proportion um, of that uh, sac where the baby is. And so that whole sort of anterior wall has got the baby, then the placenta, then your skin, which is why you don't tend to feel much movement. What you'll find, though, as you progress in your pregnancy, your placenta obviously will grow, but obviously not as the, with the speed that your uterus does as well. Um, and so your placenta will um, keep growing slowly, slowly, but then migrate up. And so you'll start to feel a lot more movements as your pregnancy progresses. So what is a placenta previa? So placenta previa is where we have a placenta that um, forms in either a low-lying position where it's right beside the neck of your womb, which is called your cervix, or it covers the opening of your cervix or what we call the cervical os. So it can be what we call a minor placenta previa where it's low-lying or a major where it covers the opening. Now, what can happen is when we see your placenta at 20 weeks, it may be either low-lying or covering the opening, but actually by the end of pregnancy, it will do that magical placental migration that we talked about. And that's because that the size of the uterus will expand and with that, you'll see the placenta moving. Where does that complicate things? Well, it can be that one can experience some bleeding early on in pregnancy, and that's because the placenta is low or it's over the opening, and it's a little bit more susceptible to having a little few little bleeds, which can continue in the pregnancy itself. If you've got a placenta that's actually lying over the opening of the, um, the cervix, so the major placenta previa, we actually also ask that you avoid intercourse um, until we know uh, that is, it's safe and the placenta is out of the way. So regarding my anterior placenta, it's not a huge complication in the pregnancy. No, it doesn't at all complicate the growth of your baby, um, how your pregnancy is going to go not at all. I guess the downside, and you highlighted it, is that you just don't feel as many kicks to start off with. And that's because we know that, you know, your baby now, which is a little bit bigger than a peach, it, it, it can't kick and cause that vibration type effect because you've got that wall or that buffer of the placenta on the anterior wall. It's not harmful though to your baby having an anterior placenta. Um, and as I said, it, it, it won't cause any harm to the baby and in terms of its growth. Thank you. Let's talk about incontinence because we've had many messages talking about women experiencing incontinence with um, their second pregnancy during the second trimester. We are now in our second trimester if we're in 14 to 16 weeks, right? Yes. So incontinence is, I mean, if you've had a baby, you experience incontinence 
post giving birth that's quite common i think um now this lady has had this is her second pregnancy and she's got a bit of incontinence is this common so yeah as we know incontinence that horrible yucky thing where you get involuntary leakage um of what we're referring to here is your bladder but obviously you can have incontinence in the back passage why do some women get incontinence and it it, it is a difficult thing to live with um, and there can be certain reasons so as you mentioned this um, poor woman she's had a pregnancy before and what that pregnancy potentially done is weakened her pelvic floor muscles so as we know when we go to do um, a, a number one on the toilet uh, we have our bladder and we have a little tube called the urethra that carries the wee out to the the opening what can happen if we don't have a strong pelvic floor, things can sag a little bit. And so we don't have that control over the, the muscle that's sort of contracting the bladder, um, the detrusor muscle um, of the, um, the bladder or, you know, holding up structures as well as what it could. What also complicates things in, in pregnancy is that you've got that extra pressure now that's there from the uterus or the womb and it's pushing on that bladder. And what can happen is, you know, if you cough, it's the same sort of similar thing. If you cough or sneeze, you know, you're adding all that extra abdominal pressure and it's just causing that bladder to squeeze and hence squirt out a little bit of urine accidentally. Going forward, it's tricky because some women, yes, you're right, they get it in the second trimester. It, it, it may go, it may go because they start to do their pelvic floor exercises and, you know, use their squeezy app. Um, or it, it may be something that sticks with them until the very end. Um, but it's all about, I guess, looking at, you know, why it is that it's happening. And it's something that naturally happens and can happen. So feel reassured that, you know, this is something that there are a portion of women out there that do suffer from this symptom. But going forward, what can you do to help? And I think a big thing with um, incontinence, especially this early in pregnancy, is really start to get engaged with um, pelvic floor exercises or find a good physiotherapist that can help guide you um, in helping reduce or prevent these symptoms. And you can discuss this with your midwife. Oh, definitely. And they could refer you to a physio. Yes. And actually, there's a 16-week midwife appointment. So you'll be having that coming up. If you haven't had it already and this is an issue, maybe bring it up. Yeah, so that 16-week appointment is a really good one because it actually spaces in that time between the first appointment, that scan, and then all the way to 20 weeks. And what I always say is if, if you do have questions or you sort of think of something, just write them all down in a list because actually at this 16-week appointment, it's a really good time to clarify any strange symptoms that you're having or things that you're not sure about. Um, talking about more bladder movements and uh, and urine, UTIs. We've had lots of messages about women experiencing UTIs. Um, is this quite common in the second trimester? Can this happen at any time? Why is this happening? Is it just real bad luck? So once again, uh, the pregnancy can cause all sorts of changes with our body. And of course, the blood is no exception. So what we find in pregnancy, it, it can be a little bit difficult to empty your bladder completely. You've got that big pressure again from the baby and the womb. Um, and what women find is they'll go to the toilet and do their number one, but actually they won't quite empty their bladder. And so they're sort of left with this little bit of stagnant, and it sounds horrible, but this stagnant bit of urine in their bladder that, you know, probably contains a little bit of, you know, strange organisms. And it just builds up and predisposes to a urinary tract infection. Um, also, what other changes that occur is that um, you can get an element of reflux because that tube 
tube, that urethra tube that carries the, um, the urine from the bladder to the outer part of the body, it gets a little bit more lazier in pregnancy once again. And that can be a combination of the anatomy changes, but also the hormones. Um, and so they're all, I guess, contributing to why it is that you could get a UTI. It's got nothing to do with your hygiene. It's just your body. Um, and, and it's common. What makes it really tricky in pregnancy is actually you may not have any symptoms when you have a bladder infection. So it can be what we call asymptomatic bacteria, where um, you've got yourself a UTI, you've had no idea at all, um, and it's sort of, and this is a terrible term, but it's festering away. This is why it's so important when you see your midwife um, at your pregnancy visits and you'll all recall that you have to do that little test in your little cup you know, try and catch those drops of urine without getting on your handbag or whatnot and then give it to them. And why we do that is we're screening for UTIs at that time, along with other things, but we're definitely looking for white cells or a substance called nitrites that may indicate that there's a bladder infection. And it seems quite common. I mean, I was wondering, you know, um, potentially also maybe that women are missing it is that you have that urge to pee a lot more when you're pregnant, especially in the night. Like that is the a great curse of being pregnant. You just feel like you could wee all the time in the night. So could that be that lots of women aren't picking up on it as well because they have that urge to pee all the time. Are there any good indicators to know that you've got a UTI without the actual pain? Yeah, so so the classic symptoms of what we call dysuria or really like a burning type pain when you urinate. That That's your classic bladder infection cystitis type um, symptom. Other ones that you can get, so yes, you can get what's called urinary frequency where you go to the toilet lots and lots. You know, you, you can't help it. You just feel like you need to go. Um, other symptoms, interestingly in pregnancy, when you get an infection, you can feel quite nauseated. So that's sort of an atypical one that you find, but that can suggest a urinary tract infection. And then, of course, if the infection gets time to ascend from your bladder up to your kidneys, you'll become quite ill. And that's what we call pyelonephritis. And what the classic symptoms of that are is that you get really bad back pain where your kidneys are located, you'll get a fever, um, and you'll just feel really unwell. Um, and is it okay for women to take antibiotics if they do have a UTI? Yeah, so that, that's a really good question. And antibiotics can be safe in pregnancy. There are a certain number and only a low number of um, antibiotics which we will avoid in pregnancy and at certain times of the pregnancy. So what we always say is, you're better off treating a bladder infection. You know, if you get that at any time in your pregnancy, you need to treat it because actually what an infection can do is it can put you into early labor. Any infective type process that's going on in the body it can just stir up everything. Um, and that's something obviously that we definitely want to be avoiding at this time. From an antibiotic perspective, so when you go to start on antibiotics, obviously that's something that you know, you'll either see your GP or your obstetrician in order to obtain a prescription, but they will know what's safe and what's not safe. Um, and you can always ask them questions, go, oh, by the way, just remember I'm this many weeks pregnant, um, but they will definitely know what will be able to be prescribed for you at that certain time. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. 
add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What are some of the other things that people may be experiencing around this period of time between 14 to 16 weeks of their pregnancy? It's a a tricky time because I think it it may share a lot of the symptoms that one's experienced in that early pregnancy. So we've talked previously about fatigue. Um, We've talked about, you know, feeling nauseated or vomiting. We do know that the majority of women by 12 weeks will have overcome those morning sickness symptoms, but some do still get them. Um, A lot of women may have gastrointestinal upset, so they may find some days they feel constipated. Other days, you know, they might have looser stools than expected. I guess another thing that can come up, and especially now, because what's happening is our baby's undergoing its, you know, growth and that placenta's really churning away at feeding our babies, is we can get what's called heart palpitations. So what's happening in our body is our blood's actually becoming of a greater volume and our heart rate has actually started to beat a little bit faster than what it was earlier in the pregnancy. And what can happen is if we overexert ourselves, we may sometimes feel our heart racing on our chest that's sort of like a flutter that may last a few minutes and then go away i'm not sure if you've sort of had this symptom to date but it it can happen in this like second trimester i haven't um but that's really good to know thank you a few questions about whether things are safe you know lots of people dye their hair like to get nail (laughs) extensions uh use certain skin products is it safe to dye your hair during pregnancy you believe it or not, this is one of the most common questions I do get asked, along with nail bars <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Um, it can be safe, yes, to dye your hair in pregnancy. Uh, what we tend to recommend is um, when you go to dye your hair, it's often good to have someone else dye it for you. I think trying to dye your own hair when pregnant, what you're possibly doing is predisposing your lungs to inhaling whatever it is you're putting in your hair. And that's the same with, you know, really, really, really strong sort of cleaning products, not the stuff we use around the house, but those really sort of potent ones. What we don't want you to be doing is inhaling anything that could potentially, and we have no idea, but have some sort of harming full effect. Going to the hairdresser, though, completely safe. By all means, it's your you time as well. It's your chance to relax and put your feet up. Don't deprive yourself of that because it is safe in pregnancy. And that accounts for any types of hair dye. So whether or not you get foils or whether you get a head wash, um, that can be safe. Yes. Okay. And, And nail bars? Should we be avoiding acrylics during pregnancy? No, definitely not. So nail bars, definitely you can also continue to use. 
The only time you may be, uh, I guess, disencouraged to have your nails painted may be towards the end of your pregnancy when you're coming up to give birth and if that is for a planned cesarean section. The reason being is one of the monitors they want to do to, in order to monitor your heart rate goes on your finger. And when you have a really lovely burgundy type color on your nail varnish, it doesn't quite pick up on your heart rate so well. That's very good to know. Don't go for a dark color <laughs> before you're about to give birth. This is very good. Um, uh, and then skin, uh, skincare. You know, lots of us like to use hyaluronic acids, retinols, um, bits and bobs like that. Should we be steering clear of this? Skincare products generally are really, really safe. I think what we've got to remember is when we put it on our skin, it's only dissolving on our skin. It's not going through our blood circulation. It's not getting to the baby or to the placenta. So anything sort of topical on our skin is, is safe. I think... In terms of, you know, if you had really bad acne and you're wanting some sort of local treatment, the doctor, the GP, the dermatologist that you see will, of course, know that you're pregnant and they'll know what's safe to use in those circumstances. Anything household related or things that you have in your bathroom, they're generally safe. Yes. Okay, great. Now, this is a big question for lots of people. When is a good time to start telling friends and family that you are pregnant? It's a very personal decision, and I think it's interesting. I will often um, ask uh, women, oh, have you told anyone yet? And I must say it does vary, and I think it varies depending on people's circumstances or exposure to others that have been pregnant before. You know, if someone's had a, a really sad outcome, they actually may choose not to tell anyone. By 14 to 16 weeks, though, what you have you know, in terms of investigations to date, you'll have that first trimester screen, you know, you'll know that things are okay. Um, and that, you know, you're all clear from the screening point of view of those chromosomal disorders. So yes, it, it is potentially, yes, a very safe time to tell your um, friends and family. I think the other pro of sharing the news is that it, it's a wonderful, exciting time for you both. Um, and what you can then do is actually embrace it. And also what you'll find is you'll be able to, I guess, offset any worries or concerns you have with other people. And that may be people that have had experience with pregnancies or, you know, your mum who's got all that sort of advice that she wants to share with you. Oh, everyone's got something to offer on advice. Sometimes it's better to just not take it. Um, but what I was going to say also, what what could have happened at this point? We got bloods taken between 12 and 14 weeks when we had our scan, the majority of us. And I remember the midwife said to me in the hospital, she said, we'll call you if there's something that's worrying us. Otherwise, you'll receive a letter. Now, is this quite commonplace with every hospital? And why would they be giving you a call at this point? I think medicine's the only time where no news is good news. That's what I always say. Okay. I mean, nothing else in the world works like that. But in medicine, yes, I, I think you've raised a good point about actually, when do I find out my blood tests? And you know, how do I know that things are okay from that point of view? When we do those booking blood tests, what we're looking at are a few different things. So you're looking at your blood group um, and whether you've got um, what's called rhesus positive or ne negative um, as well. You're looking at your full blood counts, seeing whether or not you're anemic. And then they're also doing an infection screen. 
What some hospitals have done now and some institutes uh, have done is everything's online. So what will happen instead of carrying around your big maternity book, they may actually have a fancy app that you use. And actually what a lot of results are now being um, handled with is they've been uploaded on the app. If, of course, you know, you haven't found out your results and you do want to know, wherever you're booked in, they should have a helpline or some sort of maternity helpline where you can call up and obtain your results. Because, yes, it's important. What you don't want is for something to be missed. Um, and I think that goes for the type of individual you are. If you're happy to say, oh, I haven't heard, it's, it must be okay, or whether you actually uh-huh. do want a result, don't feel scared or feel like you can't ask. That's really great advice. Thank you. So, so Jess, what is going on with the baby? What's happening down there with the fetus? What vegetable are we up to now? <laughs> Gosh, I'm running out. Uh, so we know it was a peach. So I think an orange maybe. I guess it depends where you're getting your oranges from. But it's around sort of eight to nine centimetres, this little baby now. And actually what it's starting to do is actually function like a human being. So believe it or not, what your baby's doing is it's swallowing. So it's starting to swallow and it's starting to wee on the inside. Um, And I think one of the best facts that, I mean, you probably know this already, but what that fluid is that's made up around your baby is actually the majority of it is its own urine. Okay, so that's the baby's wee. So what it's doing every day is it's now swallowing little bits of that fluid and it's weeing it back out. Um, And so it's starting to function. It's starting to use its own organs. And uh, basically it will go from there in terms of its development. That's amazing. And would a pregnant woman start feeling any movement at this stage, 14 to 16 weeks? Yeah, so baby's movements, it does vary between individuals. And that obviously depends on, as we've talked about, where is your placenta? But also it looks at the mum herself as well. If you tend to carry a little bit more weight on your bodies, it can be more difficult to feel a baby so early on in the pregnancy. However, at 14 weeks, your baby is moving and actually it's got a little bit more growth on it that some women do start to feel their baby. Your baby wouldn't have developed by this stage its regular pattern of movement, but you may all of a sudden start to feel a kick or a punch, um, you know, on an everyday type basis. Uh, And so, yes, you are right. Some people do start to feel movements. And some people talk about it feeling like a flutter as well, don't they? They're kind of, it feels a bit like a kind of flutter rather than you're not going to like feel like you're getting knocked out by Anthony Joshua just yet. Yeah, it's like that sort of I get gurgling that you might get sometimes with your bowel motions or something. It's it's a flutter and it's sort of down in that area, but it's in fact the baby moving. Yes, you've described it very well there. It could be wind. <laughs> it could be a baby kicking. You may just not know just yet. Jess McMicking, thank you so much for taking the time out to uh, help us with all our symptoms and stresses. We really appreciate it. Not a problem. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for listening. And in the next episode, we'll be covering weeks 16 to 18 with midwife Izzy Borton. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. So please do leave us a review and share this with your mates. Lots of love. Take care. And I hope you're all right. And I hope this has helped you out a little bit. See you for the next episode.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com